Hi, this is The Greatest Story Ever Played. My name's Dan, and today I'm going to be talking about Tacoma. A quick description for this game is, six crew members lived and worked on a space station, Tacoma, forming relationships, experiencing love and loss, and facing crisis together. Discover not just what happened to these people, but what makes them who they are through your role as an interactive investigator. In each section of the station, you are surrounded by digital representations of crew members following their own parallel story threads that diverge, recombine, and split off again. Rewind, fast forward, and move through these scenes, chronologies as they swirl around you. Your interactive tools allow you to discover tightly knit narrative from every angle and in every detail. All right. And uh, a little production info on this game. This was developed by Fulbright, who is known for Gone Home, uh, which I covered, uh, I think, in 2019. So quite some time ago. So good to get to uh, their follow-up game here. All right. So I, I guess first hopping into some kind of non-spoiler thoughts about this game. Uh, the first one I would say is I like how these augmented reality characters look. So as described in the description, really I would say the basic spot of this game is you walk around this station and in each area there's a, I don't know, two minute scene or so that will play out and you'll hear dialogue, you'll see characters come and go, um, and all of that. And each character is are presented by like an augmented um, figure. So basically like a um, see-through like color. So one character is, is green and when you see them you know that they're green and you can kind of look through them um, but you can hear the words they say and all of that. Uh, another character is blue, you know that kind of thing. Um, but I really like how this looks. It captures the shape of the person but it's not full um, like you're there. You, you, you get the, I think because of the augmented reality, because of the color that you see them as, it, it, it really reinforces that you're observing this, that you're not part of it, which, um, I think in this game, in this context works really, really well. It makes sense that this is how you'd observe them as you're on this futuristic space station and all of that. So I thought this was really cool. I really liked how it looked. I like how it worked. I thought it was pretty interesting. So um, I like that quite a bit, seeing as that was a main part of the game. I think that's good that they had that land well. Um, on the other side, I did find viewing the data pads of the characters pretty difficult, and it was kind of hard to read. Um, I felt like it was too zoomed in. Um, and so the way this would work is you would, during one of these augmented realities where you're watching this two-minute scene unfold, at different moments, characters would pull out their data pad. And when they pull that out, it would show kind of four options on their data pad. If you like paused it, you could review what information they could see. And so uh, the data pad would have things like articles or uh, maybe text messages from uh, either other crew members or maybe someone not on the station. Uh, they might be listening to music. And uh, sometimes you'd try to click something and it would not work. The augmented reality couldn't bring that back. Um, and this felt too zoomed in. I didn't... I didn't like this. I will say it is possible that this was a Dan issue and not uh, something with the game. Perhaps I was doing something wrong that made it too zoomed in. That's possible. I'm not sure. Um, 
But if I wasn't, or if there was maybe something that could have been done to zoom it out a little bit, that just wasn't apparent to me, I'm not really sure. Um, but what this kind of led to is because each thing was difficult to read, uh, I started to read things that caught my eye more initially, and would maybe not read things that didn't as much. I'd be like, okay, does it work? And okay, does this look interesting? Should it? Is it worth reading? Because the slight challenge of reading it. And um, I guess now that I'm talking right now, it, I guess it's possible if I was too close to the character when I did this, if I was farther away, maybe it would be more naturally zoomed out. I'm not sure. Um, either way, I did find that to be somewhat of a challenge, and so I do think there was some lore that was less investigated by me because I was like, eh, this is um, a little more arduous than I want. So, um, yeah, I would say that on sort of a negative experience type side thing. Last, uh, I think that, of course, being from the people who made Gone Home and also a similar style game, uh, the comparisons to Gone Home will probably be always present. Um, and so for me, I would say overall, I liked Gone Home more than Tacoma. Um, but I do think that this is a solid game and it is a solid follow-up to Gone Home. I would say one part for why I like Gone Home more is Gone Home is more in this kind of coming-of-age genre kind of thing versus Tacoma, more of your sci-fi genre of sorts. And and both of them, I would say, have kind of mystery components to them. Uh, for me, uh, coming-of-age is probably the genre I prefer more out of those. Uh, I still like sci-fi, uh, as evidenced by a lot of the other games I've played. Um, but I think coming-of-age is just a genre that kind of really works for me. Um, sci-fi also works, so not that, uh, yeah, again, not for that, but I think that edge has gone home out, uh, a bit for me. I think, too, uh, gone home, since I played that in 2019, that was probably among the first chunk of walking sim-style games that I've played before. Um, I would guess, offhand, maybe it was within my first five of walking sim style games that I'd played before and so I think that there were things that felt more unique or novel or interesting for that um compared to now um if I'd played Gone Home in 2019 which I think is what I did um since then I've played many many more walking sim style games and so Tacoma um I, I think probably felt less separate or less novel in some ways uh, than Gone Home to, did to me, um, because Gone Home was what I played very early on in playing Walking Sims. So, I think there's those things. Um, I think that's important to keep in mind uh, for all of this. Again, this being my experience. I think if someone played Tacoma first, or Tacoma was one of the first Walking Sims they played, or they prefer sci-fi to coming of age, or, or, or different things, I could see how this one would be higher up for people, or one of the best Walking Sims-style games for a person. I could definitely see it. Um, I think for me, though... I would say that's sort of where it lands. And I would say also both quality games. Um, I don't like give games grades, but I feel like if I did, this could be something like a B and a B minus, uh, something like that. Both good games, quality games that I would recommend to people um, kind of thing. So um, yeah, I'll say that's that's uh, all I got for non-spoiler thoughts. Let's head in uh, to some spoilers. So First thing I think that's important to talk about uh, before we get into the recap itself is who the characters are in this game, um, since it is a story-slash-character-driven game. So, 
characters. First up, we've got Evie, Evie St. James. She's the station administrator, which um, seems to be that she's the one who's kind of in charge at our station. And also, she is in a relationship with Clive, who we'll meet in a second. Uh, next up, we have Clive. He's an operations specialist, and he's in a relationship with Evie. Then we've got Natalie. She's the network specialist, and she's married to Bert. Um, and then we've got Roberta, also known as Bert. Um, she's an engineer and married to Natalie. Then we've got Sarah, who's our medic. And then lastly, Andrew, who's the botanist. Um, so those are our main characters. Those are who we're going to be interacting with as we go through Tacoma. All right. So now we can begin with our recap. Um, so you play as Amy, and Amy has been assigned by uh, Venturis to retrieve the AI from uh, this unused Tacoma space station. Um, and so you're you're like a contractor, and you've been sent here uh, by Venturis, who owns this station, and says, hey, could you recover our AI on this abandoned station? That's basically what you know headed in. Um, and so you do that. Um, as I mentioned on the non-spoiler part, you use augmented reality to explore Tacoma, um, which these are basically flashbacks to kind of partial memories of things that have happened. Um, I would say that these memories can... I think there were a few that are as old as like a year ago for their time on the station, but then others that were as recent as uh, like yesterday or the day before kind of thing. So there's uh, kind of a variety of timelines that you'd kind of see on these. I would say most of them do fit within the last week maybe. Um, but those are the timelines you work with and um, yeah, pull these memories from. Uh, as I mentioned, this is a cool way to explore things. And so basically the way the game is set up is you have three uh, modules, quote unquote, that you go through or sections of the station that you go through. Um, the first one is the personnel module. I guess I'll say kind of uh, the sequence of how each of these are set up, and then I can go into kind of details on each one. Um, but the first one's the personnel module, and what it sets up for you is the personnel module has two kind of rooms within it, or two uh, sections or departments kind of thing. And in each of those departments, there is a augmented reality memory that you can get information from, and then you also can visit one person's personal quarters that is in that section of the station. So, and then they also have an augmented reality um, memory as well that you can engage, engage in. So, each section, you have four memories you can engage in. Um, I would say that the personal ones uh, that are in someone's, uh, like, um, personal quarters, those have kind of more minor stuff in them, but then the ones in each kind of department, so to speak, have more information to them. So the first big one that happens inside the personnel department is you've got uh, the team celebrating together in the conference room, celebrating obsolescence day. Um, this is a celebration where the Orbital Workers Union stopped these kinds of facilities like Tacoma from becoming fully automated. Uh, the companies really wanted to do that, and the workers' rights managed to make it where people still have to man these. And so they celebrate this uh, each year 
uh, I think it's the last day of February, and you'd celebrate um, another year of having people run these kind of run these kind of stations. I guess um, also for um, further education, I guess uh, or understanding of what this is like. Tacoma is a station that basically acts as sort of an in-between spot for people that travel from Earth to one of Ventura's space stations, um, but they're like tourist attractions, things like that. So I think the concept being someone might take family vacation, they'd leave Earth, and then they'd travel up to, um, you know, uh, this vacation spot out in space. And the sort of function that this station kind of acts as is if people need anything along the way, um, if, I don't know, someone needed to refuel or get more food or things like that, it seems like the Tacoma station, among other stations, sort of act as a little in-between spot so that someone's not just uh, stuck in space. During the party, uh, things are going well, but then... Um, there is sort of a explosion or a, a ruckus that goes on and a malfunction and they realize they need to act fast. Uh, that their action supply has been drastically limited um, and that they need to act soon. Um, and so this sort of sets you on the investigation of what happened to these people and you see, oh my gosh, something bad happened. Um, that basically wraps out, I would say, the significant stuff in the personnel model. Moving over to uh, the second section of the game, uh, the biomedical module. Similarly to um, the first station, right, you have two areas that you can go look at. Um, you have two people's personal quarters you can see, all of that stuff. Um, I'd say the big things that happen in your memories, uh, the augmented memories that you get to see, um, is in one of them, you find out that Eve and Clive have gone into uh, cryo chambers to save oxygen. So, in doing this, um, they have basically bet on the rest of the team that, hey, you're going to be able to get out of here to save us all. And so the best way we can help you is by buying you time. So they go into this cryo chamber, which I think basically knocks them into a deep sleep um, and drastically reduces the oxygen and, you know, all of that stuff that they would be taking in. Um, and so they put their faith into the rest of the crew. You will pull this off. We will be out of your way. We will buy you time. And um, by buying you time, you will ultimately be able to save us. Um, which is wild, and I think it's pretty cool by Evie and Clive to do. Um uh, if that's not a vote of confidence, I'm not sure what is. Um, and I, I think even seeing, hey, we we will just use resources here and, you know, be in the way in a sense. And so we'll buy you time. We believe in you. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, you have Andrew also in this section go into the cryo uh, chamber uh, as well. Um, he does this after he uses, since he's the botanist, he uses the plants to uh, create kind of additional oxygen to buy them a little more time. Uh, you also find out that kind of Andrew had um, a little more difficulty in choosing to do this. Um, 
as if you go into cryo, um, I, I think that there's not a full guarantee that you'll come out totally fine. But also, if uh, the team fails, then you will definitely die. Um, and so I think he ha he'd had some uncertainty in there, but he expresses that Sarah and the rest of the team were really kind to him as he kind of figured that out and used that time to buy them a little more. So um, I thought this was cool, getting to see more of a lens into what the people are like on this ship. Uh, clearly the six of them, I, I think they maybe said it earlier in the game that they live there for at least a year at a time. And so to see the kind of, it makes sense that the team would bond in that year and uh, cool that they did. So those were kind of the significant things I felt from this module. Finally, your last module is the engineering module. And in this one, uh, Natalie and Bert are working on the escape pod um, because if they can escape, then uh, perhaps they can flag for help and be able to rescue everyone. And while they're making the escape pod, an explosion happens and both of them are injured. Uh, Bert specifically is injured, uh, I think fairly badly. Um, and Natalie is kind of comforting her and tending to her. Um, while this is happening, there's a sense that all is lost, but Odin, uh, the ship's, a or the station's AI, um, kind of casually suggests to Sarah, hey, you should go to the restricted network area. Um, since Odin isn't allowed to disobey orders, he couldn't, like, say that outright, but kind of was like, oh, what about here? Um, kind of throwing it out there, not giving Sarah the conclusion, but kind of guiding her to it uh, a little bit. And so she gets the passcode from Natalie because that's not her uh, domain of work, but um, Natalie is with Bert, and Natalie's also hurt Sarah, the only healthy one. So Sarah heads off to this restricted area, and um, on the way, like, you see signs that say this is restricted, you know, Venturas will arrest you or fine you or fire you or any of these things, uh, but Sarah goes. And while she's inside of this restricted area where the AI is housed, where Odin is physically housed, um, she finds this file from the, I don't know, president of Ventura um, reading a statement about the tragic death of the Tacoma crew and how to ensure employee safety, all uh, Venturas satellites going forward will be fully AI operated. Um, you can also find a um, another piece of information where the president of the company is consulting with his work AI advisor who suggest that if an accident happened, that they would get what they want, which would be these fully automated stations. Um, apparently before this, the company had really pushed super hard for being fully automated stations, but that was struck down. Um, and because of that, people are still out on there. So the AI kind of recommended that this kind of fallout would win support. If you had a tragic loss of crew, then perhaps you could get what you want here. Um, we find out uh, after this, Sarah, of course, is disturbed by this. And then it is able to send out an SOS through the comm 
uh, stationed through here. The comms outside were messed up, but there was extra ones here uh, that were working. Um, and, and also that the Tacoma accident was forced by the AI. So the AI from outside caused the AI of Odin and required it to uh, essentially create a damaged situation as if we got hit by a meteor or, or whatever, that kind of stuff. Um, so there wasn't an actual accident. It created the accident in itself and then also called off any rescue that Venturis would have had to kind of make this happen. Um, but Sarah sends out this SOS. Uh, one of the rival companies that has a station nearby heard it and they come and they rescue the whole crew and they're all able to escape freely. Um, which is huge. Uh, Amy sees all this. She takes the AI hardware out um, and heads back to her ship. When she gets into her ship, um, she puts the AI um, and Odin and lets Odin be sentient inside her vehicle um, and says, I'm part of the this AI liberation group. We recognize you as sentient and um, that if you wish to be liberated, I will liberate you. And Odin says, yes, let's do that. And then credits. Uh, credits roll. All right. Um, so, general thoughts on the game itself. Um, I thought that this ending was good. I was surprised by it. I didn't expect that as a thing. Uh, I also think just this concept of giant companies um, being corrupt, that they, you know, create a PR situation that gets them then the outcome they want oh, we tragically lost six lives on Tacoma. But now, we're safe. We're fully automated. Um, feels very <laughs> realistic. I'm confident that lots of companies, giant companies, have done things of this nature now and probably through the past and probably will in the future. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty on the money for something like that. So, pretty um, brutal. To see, you know, that's that's um, disgusting that companies would do something like that and be like, well, if it, if it does this, you know. And I imagine they wanted, I don't think this was stated explicitly, but I imagine they want fully automated ones because you don't have to give AI health insurance or anything like that. You don't have to pay them. You just buy it once and that's what it is versus employees up there, you know, all of the things that can go with that. Um so, yeah, that was kind of wild. Uh, or Yeah, that was good. Um, one thing also that kind of stood out to me as feeling kind of wild in this was rescuing the AI at the end of the episode, or at the end of the game. Um, and it felt wild, I think, in today's climate with, you know, kind of concerns people have about AI, concerns about uh, chat, GPT, uh, all, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I don't know if the kind of, if I would have observed something like that in 2017 when this game came out. I don't know that I've been like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I can see concerns with AI or would you want to rescue AI sort of thing. Um, I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting. It made me, this is kind of pivoting off of Tacoma, but I wonder if Detroit Become Human playing that would be different for people today than it was even three years ago or whatever. I think that four years ago, 
I think it came out in 2018, maybe 19. Um, I wonder how different that would feel, though, um, for people playing now or observing it. You know, I think that people have uh, concerns about, like, AI taking their jobs now that um, people probably had in 2017, but maybe not at the same magnitude. Or maybe that... Um, oh, I'm afraid that will happen one day, but that one day felt like in 20 years, whereas today, right now, um, you know, there's actual examples of people's <laughs> being replaced by AI today um, for their roles. And so that's that's pretty interesting. I, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about all of that. I don't know that I would liberate AI now. But maybe in 2017, I would be more thinking that way. So, I don't know. Um, anyway, um, I think that that's interesting to think about either way. Um, and has it, has it prompted a good thing? I, I guess, too. Um, yeah. It was prompted an interesting thing. So, um, those were a couple of general thoughts I had. Finally, we can move to some listener feedback um, first up, we've got Johnny on Twitter who said, I enjoyed it. I'm definitely partial to a sci-fi mystery or two. Uh, yeah, I, I thought this sci-fi mystery was fun. Um, I definitely enjoy, uh, sci-fi genre as well. Uh, like I mentioned off top, um, it's a good genre. This was a good addition to it. Next up, we've got Ash on Twitter who said, I thought it was superb. The plot twist at the end was brilliant and the game mechanics worked well. One, I would definitely recommend if you like the gameplay mechanics, check out Eternal Threads. Although not set in space, I get similar gameplay vibes to Tacoma. Um, that's awesome. I hadn't heard of Eternal Threads until Ash had brought it up, uh, but looking it up, it sounds cool. Um, it sounds like basically you do... There's some time travel-related mechanic stuff that goes on. It's like a time travel puzzle game of sorts uh, that looks cool. Uh, I did see it's definitely on Steam. I saw that it may be on Switch and PlayStation. Um, a little of the looking I did was... I, I didn't finish looking at all of that, but it sounds cool. And I think if it is on one of those, I'm going to put it on a wish list because um, it sounds interesting. So thank you for the recommendation. Next up, we got Pogo on Twitter. who said, well, I for one loved it. Very interesting mechanics. I think it opens up avenues for interactive storytelling. I agree. Uh, I think that's a good call out by Pogo. I do think that this opens up avenues for what interactive storytelling can look like. Um, again, I think these blips of these augmented reality memories I thought were really engaging and I think could work well in other games and have worked well in other games besides this. Um, not necessarily the augmented reality, but the same kind of concept of seeing a memory and how that looks and all of that. Um, David on Twitter said, much underrated little game. Yeah, uh, I do think that is accurate. I don't feel like I hear people talk about Tacoma particularly. Um, not that I don't think people care about it, but I think that it's, it's a little more quiet. I feel like I hear Gone Home or other walking simulator type games come up more often than Tacoma does. Uh, lastly, we've got Viking on Twitter who said, I enjoyed it a lot. Unraveling the mystery of what the hell happened here is a great, is always a great scenario no matter the genre. Thinking of amazing games like The Return of the Oberdin or Soma, for example. I love both of these callouts. Um, these 
were ones I hadn't thought of, uh, even though I played both of them and enjoy both of them, uh, when I was thinking of my general thoughts. But when Viking brought them up here, I wanted to be able to address them here since uh, they made me remember them um, <laughs> more than me remembering themselves. Return of the Oberdin and Soma, I thought both of these games did a great job in the walking sim genre of, uh, yeah, discovering what the hell happened. Uh, Soma with the creepy lens. Um, very cool. Uh, I did a podcast episode on that, um, I think two years ago with Travis and Katie from Cutscenes, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then Return of the Obra Dinn, uh, giving you that what the hell happened except on this, uh, pirate ship, essentially. Uh, and I did that with John and Ted last year from, uh, Do You Want to Continue? That was, uh, both of those were great discussions and really fun games to play. Something that was cool with Return of the Obra Dinn was also you saw the characters in these memories, kind of like how this game works, um, where you'd, get, you'd catch a specific memory, you would actually see it being played out. Um, I think there, instead of your augmented reality translucent, instead, um, I'm remembering right, it was more of a, a drawing, almost. It felt like a drawing. Um, very cool. Uh, Return of Loberden, Soma, amazing games. Uh, very, very cool um, that bring this. And I, I think also one that wasn't mentioned, but uh, I think also would fit this is Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which I actually also talked about with Travis from Cutscenes. Um, but this game also really brings that. You're going around this English town, and you get to see memories kind of occur and uh, hear voiceover of what's going on and everything like that, um, which was a cool game as well um, that would fit that realm. So, um, yeah, I think a good piece of a good genre for sure. Um I really enjoyed, I enjoyed Tacoma for sure. Um, I think if you've played Oberdin, if you played Soma, if you like those kind of games, I think Tacoma would be one you would enjoy. Um, I think if you like these kinds of games, and um, yeah, I would pursue that. And uh, yeah, big ups for Return of the Oberdin and Soma. Both awesome games. Huge fan of each of those. Um, yeah, I'd say that captures... Uh, everything I want to say about this. If you've got other thoughts um, about Tacoma or anything else, I'd love to hear them. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at StoryEverPod. Um, if you'd like to find a backlog of our episodes, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you'd get podcasts. Um, and we've got episodes on Gone Home, Soma, Return of Oberdin, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, a whole bunch of other walking sims and non-walking sims. Uh, they're all there. Go check that out. Um, if you like our podcast and would like to help other people, uh, get to experience it, uh, please rate and review us on one of those platforms, share it with a friend, really anything. I think that one of the best things about this show is getting to share games with other people and enjoy them together. So really appreciate it if you do that. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast financially, that'd be awesome. One way you could do that is at patreon.com slash the greatest story ever played there for as little as a dollar per month that will get you monthly bonus access to episodes we do uh once a month that are topical in nature so rather than focusing in on one game like this episode instead they are about broad categories um so for instance uh recently i compared the uncharted video games to the tomb raider uh reboot series 
or uh, I talked about The Last of Us TV show on HBO for a couple episodes on there. So that sounds like something you'd want. Uh, please go check that out. Um, and yeah, again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.